pay you. Whoa, Rob, look out! He's got a knife! You got that right. Take this. Sorry, I can't take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Retro Junkies Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob, and joining me today is my good friend, my partner in retro gaming crime, Landon. How are you, Landon? Uh, pretty good, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And you know why I'm doing well? Why are you doing well? Because we have some special guests today. Ooh, I like special guests. <laughs> uh, Nick Stevens, a good friend of ours who um, is involved in the NES podcast. Uh, we're big fans of his podcast. We just, we're happy to have you on the show. How are you, Nick? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I know it's getting kind of late and stuff, but uh, appreciate you talking some Streets of Rage with us. Oh, yeah. There's always time for Streets of Rage. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm also happy to uh, announce our, our next special guest, which is John Wedgworth, who's been our friend from the very beginning, probably when we were within like a, less than 100 likes on our Facebook page and everything. So very um, uh, active on our Junkies page, on our Facebook page. And he's got his own Facebook page dedicated to retro gaming So and retro gaming music. So, John, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it was like 59 likes when I found you guys. Wow. So I think I get some stake in the proceeds from your show. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. All right. Well, today we're going to be uh, focusing on Streets of Rage, which I think we all kind of have a, have a soft spot for. Uh, we're really excited to talk about it. But before we get into all that stuff, we have some shout-outs we want to uh, give and a few announcements. Um, as far as the shout-outs go, I'd like to give, once again, uh, we got to give Brian Rapolo a shout-out, who is the editor of our um, site. So, Brian, he's just done an amazing job. He designed our website, and we just really appreciate all of the work he's done. And he's also work, working on his own hosting website. So, by the time the next episodes up uh, hopefully we'll know exactly the url and uh, uh everything for that so we will tell you guys uh next one goes out to derek slayton the video game archaeologist and his uh, book on the sega master system i can't remember the title of it just off the top of my head but it's basically everything you needed to know about the sega master system and more nes podcast hey i like those guys <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not too bad. Yeah, too yeah, bad. yeah. And Nick guy's all right. And Ryan's pretty cool too. But NES podcast, um, Nick. I, I remember when you uh, sent us an email and stuff. You know, we just we kind of developed a really good friendship. And uh, Nick, we're we're huge fans of your show. And we wish we had thought of your show first. Uh, you know? <laughs> I'd have a whole whole lot more time on my hands. If you did. <laughs> no, but thanks. Um, I 
I told, I said the same thing on my podcast. I really appreciate you and Landon uh, giving us a push because when you did that, we uh, got a lot of listeners, and it's it's more enjoyable that way. And we we appreciate uh, you guys kind of accepting as part of the uh, the community. So NES stands for '90s Entertainment Show. It's our little spoof of Nintendo Entertainment System. Listeners can get to our page by going to Facebook.com/slash NES Podcast. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes. And you can check us out on YouTube. Just search NES Podcast on both of those. And you can also check us out at www.theretrojunkies.com. Thanks to you guys for letting me be on there. Oh, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, no problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, Landon didn't want to do it, but I was like, no way. These guys are nice. <laughs> Whatever. Quit lying, Rob. <laughs> no way. Quit trying to look good in front of the guests. <laughs> I think he's buttering you up. <laughs> Um, and how about you, John? Uh, what's uh, how uh, retro gamers get to your uh, Facebook page? They can walk for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's just right now. It's just a Facebook page. It's uh, we have two of them. We have uh, Nerd Noise Radio Channel One, which is dedicated to video game music, and we have uh, Nerd Noise Radio Channel Two, which is the brand new one, and it's dedicated to chip tunes. I should probably clarify the difference between video game music and chip tunes. Um, chip tunes is non-video game music that's done on video game hardware. And that can be actual video game hardware or it can be uh, a bazillion different programs out there that can faithfully approximate the video game hardware, such as Famitracker. You can you can get that to sound exactly like an NES, for instance. You hear Famicom, Famitracker. Um, and there's some really, really great stuff going on in that world. Uh, one of the websites that I, I have no vested interest in, I'm no part of, but it's just been a tremendous resource for me, is uh, battlethebits.com. They also have a Facebook page and a, t- a Twitter account. Um, also, Nerd Noise Channel 1 and Channel 2 are also on Twitter and Google Plus now, but those are just mirror pages of the Facebook page. Like, whatever happens on Facebook, whenever I post something or uh, <coughs> uh, Rob and Landon do, <laughs> um, uh, that will get that will get uh, copied over to uh, to Google Plus and, and Twitter. And on fa- on the Facebook page, I like to kind of geek speak about it, like get into the technical side of things, what's going on, or or some Im- important musical aspect or or video game industry aspect. I I talk about it. You know, there's a lot of text there. Uh, and if you like that sort of thing, those pages are for you. Uh, but if you want just kind of just the facts, no nonsense, just shut up and play the music. Uh, go to the Twitter page because there's like no. T- I mean, 104. I hate Twitter. 140 characters. I can't. I can't give. A, I can't give a phone number without going over 140 characters. It's just, you know. So, that's that's really really tough for me to do. But if you want, like, I don't care what this guy has to say. Just let me hear the music. Go to the Twitter page. That's what you. That's what you're going to get there. And uh, lastly, on the nerd noise front, I'm thinking about starting Nerd Noise Radio Channel Three, and that would be uh, for covers. You know, either a cover of a video game piece on quote-unquote real instruments or covers of quote-unquote real music on video game hardware. So maybe that'll happen, maybe that won't. I I have all the time in the world after all, so. (laughs) Um, uh, And then I guess one other thing here. Um, Pretty soon we're going to go into the quote-unquote studio and, and try recording Nerd Noise Episode Zero, see if we can get that working. And if we can, then hopefully by the end of October, uh, we'll start having monthly podcasts for Nerd Noise, so everyone will be able to start listening to those. Uh, the only other things I'm in- involved in besides Retro Junkies is um, Carl Kirby Jr. and uh, Drew Thorwall. Uh, so, so Carl Kirby and Drew Thorwall have a site called It's Not Just a Game. It's about a book that's coming out called It's Not Just a Game, uh, and I'm an admin on that now as well. Uh, so uh, at some point, Carl's going to come 
to Des Moines for a speaking engagement. And when he does, we'll record some videos uh, for, for that. Um, and then, of course, I'm a part of a, a program called Rebels Cause Radio. Uh, now, to the listener, I don't want to bait and switch you here. It's Christian Talk Radio. Um, but if you're interested in that, please check us out, uh, rebelscauseradio.com. Dan Fry is the host. I'm the sidekick. Uh, we have a couple other guys on, on staff as well. It's a really great program. We've been at it for almost two years. Uh, in fact, most of the people who follow us aren't from Des Moines. I mean, we have a, a guy who's been tuning in from Ireland. So it's three o'clock in the morning his time, and he's been with us. Uh, Virginia and, and uh, Florida and everywhere but Des Moines. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we rebroadcast on FM, uh, an FM station in a college town about 40 minutes north of Des Moines. Uh, and we can't track those numbers. So we could be it could be anything from we're rock stars there and they have posters of us on the wall. <laughs> See, there's you know one one old lady and her and her medicine listening. I'm guessing reality is somewhere in between those two. But anyway, if you're if you're interested, rebelscauseradio.com or the Facebook page, check it out. Meanwhile, uh, the more likes I get on my Nerd Noise Facebook pages, the happier I am. So please come, be a part of that, join the conversation. Uh, we love we love back and forth on that so right. please join the conversation it's just a treat to have you guys on the show and uh you know like i said earlier you guys are really good friends of ours and uh it's just a lot of fun to just talk retro games with you the only other thing that i do besides you know the, uh, the retro junkies podcast is uh it's called a uh, turtle flakes podcast it's a ninja turtle podcast and it's on itunes we're into episode three now and basically, it's a podcast where we talk about three different eras of the Turtles. We talk about the 1987 Turtles in, in one episode. We talk about the 2003 Ninja Turtles uh, in the second episode of the month. And we talk about the modern Turtles, the Nickelodeon Turtles, in the third episode of the month. We're real excited about or a special guest we're going to be having. Uh, and his name is Pat Fraley. And he is the notorious voice for Krang from the original cartoon. So um, that he's coming on the show October 8th. For those who don't know who, who those characters are, can you give us your best impersonation here in front of <laughs> I'm not even going to try, no. <laughs> but yeah, so we're on iTunes, uh, so uh, be sure to check us out there. And we have a Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash um, Podcast. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. I, think, I, think I don't know. I'll, I'll check with Rob and see what he says about it. Okay, that. yeah, that yeah ask All right, well, I guess it's time to talk about forums. And the first forum topic that I thought was kind of interesting that I thought we could talk about, it says, it's never too late to beat a classic. Let me ask you all this, uh, and Landon, we'll start with you, my man. Okay. Um, is there a game that you've beaten, say, in the last few years that uh, you always struggle with as a kid and you never had beaten it as, as a kid? Yeah. That would have to be uh, The Legend of Zelda, The Adventure of Link, the, the second one for the NES. I think I got that game when it came out. I was probably around four or five. I finally beat that game when I was 20. It took me 15 years to beat that game. Yeah, and the only, unfortunately, the only Zelda game after that, that side-scrolling, were CDI games. <laughs> Ooh. It, those, are, those are my guilty pleasure. Really? Wow. <laughs> Excellent segue to another forum topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh recently picked up uh, Capcom Classics for the Game Boy Advance, and I had a Mighty Final Fight on it. Ooh. And uh, I didn't get a chance to play that a lot as a kid. It's kind of a more rare game. I, I remember renting it. I love the Final Fight series, too. It's kind of mm-hmm. not, not the best uh, <laughs> thing when you're talking about Streets of Rage. might be a deba- <laughs> debate there. But uh, I got that on the GBA, and I was able to beat that. It's a tough little game. Regret saying this, I've never played a single Final Fight game, ever. 
So, you know, I, of course I want to say, oh, no way, Streets of Rage is the best, but obviously I, I have no basis to compare it to. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to get on that because weren't there a lot of them for the Super Nintendo? There were yeah, three. Three, yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, was that based on an arcade game? Yes. Okay. Uh, also called Final Fight. <laughs> yeah. Although, a fun little, fun little factoid. Um, in a, I think it was a year or two before it came out, it showed, a, it showed up at a game conf, uh, convention, and it was wearing the title uh, Street Fighter Two. Ooh. Because it was supposed to be kind of the follow-up to Street Fighter, but they said, "Nah, this isn't enough like it. So let's call it something else, and then let's work on this other little game." And well, you know, I mean, that one came out to mixed reviews, right? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you, you got you got to be careful with the Super Nintendo versions because there's uh, the, like the one I have only has two of the characters, and then they have a special version of that that has the missing character from the arcade versions. So. Which yeah, which has a stupid name. They called it Final Fight Guy. Guy, because yeah. There's guy there, yeah. <laughs> Or is he French? Is he French? Is it Gui? Well, for me, um, the only one that I've beaten, and this is probably actually probably about a month ago, uh, is finally, after all these years, I've beaten Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Fall of the Foot Clan for the Game Boy. Finally. And really, there, there's a cheap way you could have done it. Um, uh, basically, you can select your stage fr right from the beginning of the game, and you can go all the way to stage six, I believe. I think there's only six stages. Uh, and, and just beat it that way. But I, I promise you guys, I have no proof. You're gonna just gonna have to take me on uh, my word here. But I promise you, I started from stage one and I made my way to stage six and, and finally got through it. And I think the last boss, I, I'm pretty sure it was Krang. It wasn't Shredder. I think you fight Shredder first and then you fight Krang. I don't remember. I know you fight Shredder. I don't remember Krang after that or not. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think so. I could be wrong on that. But for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's just maybe Krang was kind of the harder boss, but he's the one that stood out to me. So I kind of assumed he was the last one. But yeah, was it that way in the Turtles in Time game? Was Krang the last boss? I think it was Shredder. Mm, I don't remember. I don't really like the Turtles. I can't see. That's it. I'm hanging up on you. <laughs> okay, next topic. Great stories about finding a game. You want to start off, Lando? Sure. Um, I actually posted this on the forum, but I'll just kind of give the condensed version of it here. I went dumpster diving with a cousin just because we didn't have anything to do one day and found a <laughs> Genesis and a Sega CD like bundle together. Oh, uh, was I there with you when you did that? I think you were. That's right, because I remember you. I don't think I was actually there that while you were getting it, but I think that night I came over and like, dude, look what I found. <laughs> yeah, like, it all worked was what was crazy. It was the, the last day of school, and, like, they had locker clean out that day, and they just, you know, the janitor just went through, and people who had stuff in their locker that they didn't clean out, he just bagged up and threw away, and lo and behold, there was a Genesis and a Sega CD together and several games, and we're like, hey, nice. it's in the garbage. Guess it's free. <laughs> <laughs> but it had the, uh, the one thing that stood out was it had, uh, the Sega Classics, which was Shinobi, uh, Shin I think it was Shinobi 2, Streets of Rage 2, and a Ooh. few other classic games on it. Columns. Yeah, Columns. Oh, I yeah. Had a <laughs> Revenge of Columns. <laughs> yeah. It actually adds a Sega CD-specific theme song to the title screen. I didn't either. Now you know. And knowing is what? Half the battle. There we go. <laughs> so uh, how about you, Nick? Uh, not, nothing real significant, but uh, in the past year or so, I was at a Goodwill, and I always go shopping there for old games, and I found uh, Disney's Adventures and Magic Kingdom in, in this little bin where they keep uh, 
uh, forks and spoons. So. <laughs> 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 they, didn't, they didn't have a price on it, and I ended up giving them a, a dollar for it. So I, I, I made out pretty well. Uh, you know, I can't think of a specific instance where I found it was a, a special circumstance in finding the game, but there was a game that I bought... Uh, it was just a, with a bunch of games that were 50 cents, had a 50 cent sticker on it, and I bought it and never played it, and 10 years later, I'm listening to an episode of the Retro League, and they're talking about crazy valuable games, and they mentioned this game that's going for like 150 bucks on eBay, and I just moved here uh, about a week ago, and was putting my games away, I'm like, wait a minute, I think I just saw that, <laughs> and so I ran downstairs, and sure enough, here's Chippendale's Rescue Rangers 2 oh, for NES, with a 50 cent sticker on it. Is it just rare? Is that why it's so valuable? Or It's crazy rare. I mean, I still haven't played it. Uh, for me, there, there's only one that I can really think of, and that was a game called Tecmo Pro Wrestling. You remember that one, Lando? I remember that one. <laughs> I remember it was one of the first games I, I had gotten, um, when I had first gotten my Nintendo Entertainment System, which was the first system I, I had ever gotten, um, I, I, I remember having three main games. I had Super Mario Brothers 3, I had Batman, and I thought I had a wrestling game. Uh, I remembered it in my childhood, uh, you know, th this wrestling game where it, it was unique in the fact that when you would actually wrestle in the match, there was com commentary uh, at the bottom. And I remember, you know, when you'd pick a guy up by, like, his feet and swing him around the ring, the little commentator would say, around and around and around he goes, where he stops, nobody knows. And I remembered that as a kid. Well, I also remember that I had gone over a friend's house uh, sometime when I was a kid, and I, I had let him borrow it. I had forgotten about it. I let him borrow it, forgotten about it. Uh, six months later, I finally remembered. I went back to that house, uh, my friend's house, and he had moved. But I never could remember the name of it. And Landon, I don't know if you remember this. A few years ago, uh, I was describing the game to you, and you happened to remember the title. You were, you were the one who told me it was Tecmo Pro Wrestling because I described the game to you and stuff, and you, uh, you, know, you said how good it was. So I picked it up right away on eBay, and I just uh, I've been just playing that again. I felt like I was uh, a five-year-old again. It was just great, and it was cheap too. And it's a very underrated wrestling game for the NES. And you know, truth be told, there weren't that many great wrestling games for the NES. So that's a good one. So uh, for those of you who haven't played it, pick it up. That's Tecmo Pro Wrestling. I think there was one guy named Doctor Guido was his name, and he was a masked wrestler guy named Doctor Guido. That's the greatest name ever. <laughs> and like he would do the giant swing, and it would do the cut scene of him like spinning around with the guy and getting ready to throw him. <laughs> that should be your name, Lynn. What, Doctor Guido? Yeah, I like it. Just get Brian to update the website. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. All right, how about this one, uh, John? I think you'll appreciate this one. Uh, the next topic is it was started by Atari Man. It's called that ringing in your head. And all he asked was, are there any classic video game tracks that you often whistle at work or, you know, while you're busy doing something else, like chores or things like that? So well, what's a recurring song? Uh, I'll start with you, Landon. What's a recurring song that, uh, you know, just always kind, kind of stayed in your head? Probably the, uh, the overworld theme from The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. I've always got that, like, in my head. Like, I'm getting ready to go to work, and that's, like, playing in the back of my head. And I'm like, huh. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be an adventure. <laughs> How about you, um, Well, it's not that I can't think of an example. It's I can think of four billion examples. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's There's almost always a piece of video games going in my head. Uh, especially when I'm supposed to be paying attention to something. <laughs> um, but... This whole time he's been uh, kind of humming some video game tunes. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, team select theme from NBA Jam. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
well, with doing what I do on Nerd Noise, you know, I'll, I'll post a video, and then that's the one going through my head for the next couple hours or whatever. I'm a huge fan of the Mega Man 2 soundtrack. That's probably a very cl cliche answer, but uh, I uh, Flashman's theme. I can, and, and one of the reasons this is always stuck in my head because I learned how to play that on guitar. So it, <laughs> I'll, I'll wake up in the morning, you know, kind of not not ready for work, and my head's not all there. And I, for some reason, I can I, I start humming that tune, and I, I don't know. That's just kind of the one stuck in my head all the time. Now that, that raises an interesting question on the fly. Um, the three of us play musical instruments, at least. Landon, do you play anything? No. Okay, I can make musical instruments, but I don't play them. <laughs> okay. Um, so the three of us, we play musical instruments. Who here has taught themselves how to play what? Oh, gosh. It, it, speaking of Mega Man, there, there is one on there. Is it Air Man, where it goes... Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. I, I can play that one. <laughs> that, that's about all, all, all I can remember off the top. Uh, maybe Mario. I used to know how to play that, and... Um, and the uh, the overworld theme in the original Ninja Turtles game, we, we played it a couple times on our show. The <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> oh, um, I learned how to play the, I believe it's in Zelda Two. Um, when you go down to the dungeons, that uh, do 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 I learned how to do that on on guitar, and I actually sent that in to a retro game podcast, like a name that tune thing, and no one got it, so I must have not learned it very well. That's when you go, whatever. I just picked a really hard one. Um, I taught myself how to play the baseline to um the character select theme from Spider-Man X-Men. And actually, you know what? If if we don't have another technical difficulty, I actually have that pulled up. You know, it's funny you bring that up. Uh, you said Spider-Man uh, and X-Men. The you're talking about the Super Nintendo game, right? Right. Yeah. Right. You know the lead at the very beginning is that, is that uh, Tim Fallon? Well, that whole soundtrack is the Tim and Jeff Fallon. Okay, that that lead. I've tr I mean, I can't play it well, but I try. I've often tried to play that lead, so it's kind of funny you bring that up. Oh, you're thinking of the title screen. Yes. Oh, yes. That's exactly what I'm, I'm thinking. I'm talking about the briefing theme. Uh, if you guys, if you guys uh, want, I have it queued up here. Oh yeah. So I taught myself how to play this. Oh, keep that going, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, see how technical we are? We have a, actually, that was me just turning the volume down. <laughs> okay, next topic. Oh, this is one you started, John. You want to you talk about this one? Yeah, it was just favorite generation of gaming. And on there, I had, I had laid out what, how I was defining the different generations. And um, there are some debatable systems, like is the 3DO fourth gen? Is it fifth gen? Uh, what about the Wii? Is that sixth or seventh? Atari 7800, is that second or third? Um, and I kind of make my case for why I think these are these ones are are what they are. I can go into that if you guys want uh, to be put to sleep, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, I can leave that to the to the uh, forum thread to to explain that. Okay, so f how I defined it: first generations like the Pong and and Pong clones. Um, you know, just the the things you plug into the TV. There's no cartridge slot. You just it's a million different variations of Pong, uh, and everyone thought that was. Amazing. Uh, Generation two are things like Atari Twenty Six Hundred, Odyssey two, Intellivision, um, and, and Generation two is a unique one because there was it's the only one where there was a two A and two B. 
uh, 2A would be like 2600 in television, 2B would be 5200 in ColecoVision, uh, third gen NES Master System 7800, fourth gen N- or SNES Sega Genesis TurboGrafx 16 Neo Geo, fifth gen would be 3DO Jaguar Saturn PlayStation N64, sixth gen is Dreamcast, Xbox, PlayStation 2, GameCube. Uh, seventh gen Wii, PS3, 360, and then eighth gen. I went ahead and called Wii U eighth gen, and then the upcoming ones. And of course, we can't say, well, Xbox One is my favorite system ever, you know, uh, <laughs> because it hasn't come out yet. So with that one, I said, don't, I mean, go by how much you anticipate liking it for the eighth gen stuff. Uh, so that's how we laid out the generations. And the reason, the way I was, the way I ended up deciding what to do with those controversial systems is I kind of went uh, by a three-point thing. How powerful was it? And what was it primarily used for? For instance, with the 3DO, it came out It came out uh, towards the end of the fourth gen. I mean, if you go by that alone, you could argue that 3DO is fourth gen. Uh, but it was very 32-bit. It was very much a competitor hardware-wise with the Saturn and PS1. And how was it used? It was used like a 32-bit system mostly. So... Two out of the three ain't say it's a fifth gen system. Right. Yeah. Two out of three ain't bad. Thank you, Meatloaf. <laughs> awesome. So so what did you end up picking, uh, John? I picked fourth gen. Yeah. And the reason I chose it is because it was kind of the perfection of two D sprite based gaming. I mean it was it took what third gen did and perfected it. In, in fact, when I still when I play games, I still tend to look at side-scrolling 2D games with 16-bit eyes. You know, when I play Sega Genesis, it looks to me like it did in '94, '95. You know, um, I'm not thinking, "Oh man, this was so 20 years ago." Even though it was 20 years ago, there weren't there weren't a whole lot of 2D side-scrolling sprite-based games in the fifth gen. But when you play them and you see them through 16-bit eyes, they still look phenomenal today. Well, what about you, Lando? What, what's your uh, number one? I, I went with John. I went with fourth gen, the 16-bit era. I I liked all the, uh, like you said, the sprite-based 2D games. I also liked the RPGs. It seemed like, I don't know, it seemed like developers were less formulaic. There we go. They were less formulaic in their games. Like, they were more willing to take risk on stuff, you know, and a lot of it had never been done before. So they're like, well, it could sink and it could hold water and and do well and that's what i liked about that era it seemed like folks weren't afraid to take risks with games and the development and you had a little bit less institutionalized garbageware i mean yeah. that was all over the place in the second gen but it was pretty it was pretty common in in third gen also mm-hmm. and and of course the fourth gen wasn't without its stinkers but it just seemed that the things kind of normed out and it was like if this game is really terrible why make it because it's not going to have a chance at succeeding the gamers were more discerning then so it, it was a higher ratio of quality games. Mm-hmm. And then, like, like Landon said, I mean, what system was better for RPGs than the Neo Geo, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry, Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, I voted for the fourth gen. Um, I, I was a huge beat-em-up fan. There's a ton of those games on the fourth gen. Uh, sports games, really, and I, I'm, I like sports. I like the old sports games. I'm not much of a modern sports game player, but uh, I love the sports games on the Super Nintendo and Genesis. Uh, you know, of course, the fighting games really came about at that time. So there's a lot of uh, start of uh, gaming evolution at that time uh, with new genres, and it, it it just and a lot of it I think is my childhood. I I grew up in my core gaming time with the Super Nintendo and, and a Sega Genesis. So mm-hmm. that I think a lot of that's just nostalgia for me, but uh, that's that's my favorite. Yeah, I, I think for me, nostalgia played a very huge part of my pick. I actually went with uh, the third generation, uh, which would have been kind of more the, the NES uh, era. 
Um, I didn't have a master system during that time. Um, I actually didn't get a master system until much later. But uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, I, I think um, the Nintendo Entertainment System was my first system. And I grew up playing that like crazy. I actually probably played that for about four or five years before I um, had gotten my Sega Genesis. I didn't uh, get my Genesis till I think 92 or 93. And then I didn't actually get a Super Nintendo till like 95 or 96. So it was very late when I got the Super Nintendo. So I just... I don't know. There's just something about that era for me. I just have so many good memories playing uh, uh, Batman for the NES, uh, the Ninja Turtles arcade game for the NES. Um, I just think, I, I think if I had uh, had the Genesis and the Super Nintendo a little bit earlier, I probably would have went with that. If, if we're just going by memories and things like that, I've definitely got to go with the third generation. So Yeah, it, it, third and fourth for me, well, second also is mm-hmm. very nostalgic. But, I mean, I have the Christmas 89 story for uh, NES, uh, so that's a huge nostalgia. I think, I think on the nostalgia front, I'd probably have to go with a three-way tie between those. But I, the thing about nostalgia is we can't deny how much of an influence it has on, on what we like, our preferences and stuff. But I also kind of want to be able to step away from the nostalgia and just kind of look at it more objectively, too. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, I think, I think third gen was, was magic. And uh, fourth gen was magical, need more magical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another reason why I think I like the third generation, uh, may- maybe a tad more, just just growing up, is it seemed like that was at least for my family. That was kind of the cutoff between my dad playing games with me and, and not. The Nintendo Entertainment System was basically the only system he knew, and he and I we would we would play games together. And I and I think eventually when I got a Genesis and I got a um, Super Nintendo, I very rarely would he say, "Hey, you, you want me to play a game of baseball with you or something on there?" So uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the simplicity kind of garnered a, a wider range of players. And, and the fourth generation was very close. That was a very close second because I think, like I said, it took what the third generation did and just made it, like you said, John, just even more magical. So. Also, I'm writing an article, a series of articles over on Retro Gaming Times Monthly about the 16-bit console wars uh, and and how fanboyism has kind of played into all that. It's called uh, Fanboyism and the 16-bit console wars. Uh, We've had five dedicated to the Super Nintendo, and uh, we just released the one on the TurboGrafx-16, which, have you read that yet, Rob? Oh, I I have not, I'm I'm afraid. I I definitely need to check that out. Shame. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, and I'm and we're halfway through the month, and I'm about halfway through writing the Neo Geo article. So my the sweats are kind of on about that one. Okay, I guess it's time to talk about Streets of Rage. The year was 1991. The town was once a happy, peaceful place, until one day, a powerful secret organization known as Sega of America took over. This prolific syndicate soon had control over children and even the adults on the block. The town had become a center of quarreling and strife, kids and adults alike fighting for a chance to play a single game. No one was safe. Amidst the turmoil, a group of determined young gamers had sworn to clean up the town from selfish gaming and jealousy. Among them were Rob Luther, Landon Long, Nick Stevens, and John Wedgworth. They were willing to risk anything, even their lives, so that everyone could play The Streets of Rage. I'm not sure I'd risk my life. (laughs) No, you would. Play along, you would. Oh, okay. Yes, I would totally risk my life. (laughs) Streets of Rage was released for the Sega Genesis in September of 1991 as an answer to Capcom's arcade beat-em-up Final Fight, which was ported to the Commodore 64, Amiga, Atari ST, and Super Nintendo within the same year. 
Streets of Rage was designed by Adamiya Sensei, who also designed Revenge of Shinobi, Strider, and The House of Dead 3, as well as the following two Streets of Rage sequels. Hiroki Chino uh, designed Sonic CD, ESWAT, City Under Siege, uh, and Rascal Kane designed Formula One World Championship, uh, Beyond the Limit. They are all credited with designing Streets of Rage as well. Streets of Rage was met with very positive reviews in the early 90s. While Sega Pro and Joystick Magazine gave Streets of Rage a 96 uh, out of 100 rating, respectively, Sega Power gave it a perfect score of 100, cementing Streets of Rage as one of the uh, very first games to ever earn a perfect score in a Sega Magazine publication. Due to its huge success on the Sega Genesis and uh, Mega Drive, Streets of Rage was later ported to the, the Game Gear in, in 1992 and the Sega Master System in 1993. So, guys, uh, let's start with you, Lando. Uh, what was your first memory playing Streets of Rage? My first memory of playing Streets of Rage was in a Walmart, actually. They had the, it was back, you know, when you could go and you could play the games. I mean, I, I guess you can still do it at the Walmart. Uh, the Walmart. Uh, <laughs> you know that one. Yeah. That one, you know, the one everybody goes to. Uh, went to Walmart, you know, they had the Sega Genesis, the little controller hanging out in the TV, and they had Streets of Rage in the, in the console, and it was close to the holiday season. You know, I'd ask Santa and Mom and Dad and everybody else I could talk to that was... <laughs> buy Christmas presents if I could have a Genesis that year if they could get me a Genesis and that was the first time I played Streets of Rage and I have to say I got hooked on it really really quick but the thing is others may be guilty of this as well I played Final Fight first and I was comparing it to Final Fight the whole time I was playing it back when I was younger I kind of thought well I like Final Fight better you know I played it first so hey it was better but, the supremacy of the primacy that's right <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, that was my first memory with it, and then, you know, as I got older, I got to, you know, collecting the, the games from my youth, and that was one of the first ones I picked up, and I have to say, I really, really enjoy it. That's still one of my favorite beat-em-ups to play to this day. How about you, John? Uh, well, you know, this is actually kind of uh, anticlimactic, but I had the misfortune of playing Streets of Rage 2 before I played Streets of Rage 1, and um, Streets of Rage 2 is so much better. I was actually kind of underwhelmed at the, at the time. I would started with Final Fight, and from a graphics perspective, I, I know I'm a, Gen I'm a Genesis guy overall in terms of graphics, sound, all that stuff, uh, but in the case of Streets of Rage 1 versus Final Fight, I really do think the graphics were better on Final Fight. Um, the character sprites were bigger, they were more detailed, the amount of animation was comparable, the levels were probably more detailed, uh, or about as detailed on the Super Nintendo one, the uh, Final Fight. Um, so I actually thought initially that it seemed kind of phoned in. But the more I got to play it, the more I realized just how solid of a game it is. Even though I still think the Final Fight looked better than Streets of Rage 1, uh, and Streets of Rage 2 looked a million times better than Streets of Rage 1. You play Streets of Rage 1, do this. Uh, anyone who has both of these games, uh, play Streets of Rage, and then play Streets of Rage 2, and all of a sudden you see how much, how good the animation is on 2. It's like you're watching a cartoon. Uh, the animation is so good on 2. And I think, I think by the time Streets of Rage 2 came out, it was far and away the better series than Final Fight. I think Streets of Rage 2 beats Final Fight, and Final Fight 2 and Final Fight 3 uh, by a long shot. But the thing that grabbed me right away, and I'll save my thoughts on this for, for a little bit, um, is just how amazing the music was. Ah, my goodness. The music is probably what sold me on this. But So what, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with John. I played Streets of Rage 2 first, and then um, eventually when I got my own Genesis, which was uh, many years down the road, 
because uh, a friend of mine has Streets of Rage 2. I, I bought the cartridge that was, it's just called Six Pack. It's got, oh, nice. it's got, it's got Sonic and Golden Axe and it has the first Streets of Rage. So I played a, the first Streets of Rage a little later. But the good thing was, when I, as far as memory goes, it had been such a long time since I played Streets of Rage 2 that it was kind of like a new experience again because I just, I always just played at a friend's house and, you know, it was just kind of a pick up and play type thing. But uh, I, I agree. I like this game a whole lot better than Final Fight. Um, the whole series is that way, and I and I, I did play Final Fight first, and I'm a huge fan of like Mike Hagar from Final Fight. I think that guy's awesome. I mean, it, a, a dude who's a mayor who just strips off his suit, he's wearing suspenders, and that, that's a pretty cool character. That, that's a pretty cool character. But I but I, I do like the gameplay of Streets of Rage a whole lot better. I like when you grab someone, you can hit the jump button, and they do that little like uh, cartwheel over the guy. I mean, it, there's a lot of cool little little things in Streets of Rage that uh I really enjoyed. So yeah, that, that was kind of my memory there. Nice. Yeah, and, and I'll add a clarifying there. Um, I do think that Streets of Rage 1 is a better playing game, a funner game than Final Fight. It just doesn't it just doesn't look as good. The first one I ever did play was the original Streets of Rage. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, it was kind of nice. Uh, my neighbor and stuff, we, we would go over his house uh, uh, every Thursday. And uh, he, he always had like a Sega Genesis in, in, his, uh, in his room. And I, I, uh, I remember when he first got the Streets of Rage. Uh, and I went over there and I played it with him. Um, and it was just... I'd never played Final Fight before, so I really had nothing to compare it to, but I remember how I felt then, especially when we were, you know, uh, playing at co-op, uh, and it was just so much fun. Like, like what I remember the first time playing it was that uh, you could actually throw your your friends or throw the, you know, the other player who's playing the game at the enemies and stuff, uh, and you could still damage the enemies that way. And I just remember that being like, I, I, never, I had never seen that in a video game before, that uh, you could use teamwork like that. Um, so well, and, and I think there's another way. Like I think Blaze. I, I'm not sure if they all do the same thing. I was Axel, and my friend was Blaze, and Blaze would uh, like flip me over her head, uh, and then I would crash into somebody else, and I wouldn't take any damage, but the other person would. And I was like, "Wow, that's neat." So um, I remember thinking that was a really cool concept. So eventually, I got Streets of Rage 2 first, and then I went back and bought Streets of Rage 1. But I remember being very impressed with it, uh, and the graphics, and and of course the music. So. So speaking of which, John, would you like to talk about the music a little bit, buddy? No. <laughs> yeah, uh, the music was done by Yuzo Koshiro. And um, if you want to talk about a chameleon of a composer, uh, just to give you a little perspective, Yuzo Koshiro, Streets of Rage. Yuzo Koshiro, Act Razor. It's the same guy. Uh, in fact, uh, if, I, if I remember the, the uh, story of Streets of Rage, Act Razor is actually, was actually Yuzo Koshiro's pedigree. Uh, that kind of more classical orchestral stuff. Um, and he really hadn't, he'd been commissioned to work on this game that was supposed to have a real gritty urban feel to it. And um, what he ended up doing, he did a little field research basically. Uh, what he ended up doing was hanging out in dance clubs in the United States and just, you know, hanging out, listening to the music, taking notes. And then he went back and composed uh, this, this truly epic score, which really does just nail the U.S. kind of the U.S. urban club sound of the late '80s, early '90s. The usage of hardware uh, was really fantastic. He used a lot of sampled percussion. He used a lot of PSG for the melodies. For instance, for instance, the title, the title screen. You've got that kind of droning, and then you have the little that little soft mel melodious voice over top. The mel that little melody voice is PSG. So that's just a plain square wave, vestigial from the master system. 
that's, that's making that sound. And he uses it to really great effect throughout. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you, you said the title screen, so you're talking about like when the words are scrolling up. That thing that almost sounds like a lead guitar playing, is that the PSG? I'll demonstrate. Oh, please. Uh, I'll play it, I'll play the, th the whole track and then I'll isolate out the PSG for you. That's PSG. Oh, excellent. Nice. That's right, Nick, uh, you're going to have to rap. Oh, yeah, here, here. We'll set that up. <laughs> oh, no. You might not want to do that. <laughs> hey, when in doubt, just go with Turtle Power. <laughs> On the half show. <laughs> ah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Check it. Check it. That's all we got. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Okay, so that's what the PSG sounds like. Yeah, and it's um, PSG has a very consistent sound across the board. Um, for example, uh, let's say the final stage of the game. We'll start. But then I add the FM back. That's sample percussion, by the way. That's not FM. audio overload um, that's not accurate. One thing about emulation in general when it comes to Genesis music is um, the PSG is much stronger in emulation than it is on actual hardware. Uh, in fact, when I got my um, Model 1 Genesis with the, the VA6 motherboard, the good sound hardware, I actually thought it was broken because everything that was PSG sounded really faint. But actually, it's right. I don't know why there's not an emulator out there that can get it right. But PSG is always too loud in emulation. So if you're ever, that's another thing. If you're ever listening to something on actual hardware uh, versus emulation and something sounds too loud, it's probably PSG. One other thing that's really interesting about this track, and it's about to come up, so I'll just let it roll. It's one of the rare tracks uh, where you can actually hear playing sine waves. Uh, I'll isolate out that FM channel here. Unless you have um, good bass, you're not even really going to be able to hear it very well, but all Genesis FM music is made with sine waves. A little crash course on how FM works. You have carrier oscillator, which is a, just a plain waveform that you can hear, and with Genesis it always has to be a sine wave. And then you take these modulator oscillators, which you can't hear, but whose influence on the carrier you can hear. And this is very, very crass, it's very oversimplified, but imagine wave plus wave divided by two. So kind of an averaging thing. Um, and you can do it, you can, I mean, most, most of them are four operator, the Genesis is four operator, so you can have one carrier and three modulators. And just imagine like one plus one plus one divided by, I don't know, 2.35 or something. And that's how you get your sound. Um, but you, you, with FM music, you know, you have the really abrasive, actually it kind of started, um, the final notes of round clear on FM, or FM channel one, that really abrasive sound, mm -hmm. Think about this. It is nothing but plain sine waves, crisp, you know, kind of nice little woo sound being modified by other ones until you get this kind of jarring abrasiveness. Mm -hmm. hmm. And that's FM. Awesome.
which you hear quite a bit in uh, a lot of Genesis tracks. Well, it's in, in all of them except for the Frogger soundtrack, <laughs> because it's it's the PSG is just a supplement. It's a, it's a vestigial organ carried over from the Master System with backwards compatibility. But they decided, hey, we can use this thing to add square wave tones to our FM stuff to kind of diversify the sound palette and make change it from a six-channel sound system to a ten-channel sound system. It really is kind of a supplement, but a lot of games make use of it. Right. And if you like that kind of stuff, check out Nerd Noise Radio. <laughs> Perfect plug. <laughs> awesome. All right, so uh, Landon, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about the gameplay real quick, my man? Sure. Um, gameplay is just your, you know, your standard beat 'em up. You've got your jump, you've got your punch, and you've got your special. Which, isn't it in this one, instead of the characters having the special move, they call in the the cop car that like bombs the area with the bazooka. Yeah, the yeah. Ford Probe of Doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was, I always liked that better than the, I guess the the character doing like the special uppercut or whatever. It's just like, yeah, I want to call my cop buddies to come and bomb the place. Hang on a minute, but you know you. Uh, you're just walking through the streets. Uh, I played it a little bit before we actually got on the, the air here, and I forgot with Axel you can do like the grab where you knee him and then hit the jump button and go behind him and like suplex him back. Yeah, yeah, and, and if you just uh, if you kind of hold him and knee him, you can actually mm-hmm. spam him that way. Uh, you know, like the bosses and stuff. You mm-hmm. can just you know just lightly tap on B, I guess, to knee him uh, without actually flipping him over. Yeah, you can just do that repeatedly, uh, and it'll never let him go until he dies. So. I've been many a bosses that way. <laughs> well, that's how I had to beat the first boss. <laughs> but, you know, you find the power-ups in the... I think the first level, they're in telephone boots. You get, like, the, the lead pipe and baseball bat, maybe, and the, the food. <laughs> the perfectly cooked uh, turkey leg. And the phone boots. I mean, who wouldn't eat that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many uh, now, How many levels are there? Is it six? I think. I don't know. You know, I've, I can honestly say I've never beat that game. <laughs> How about you guys? Have you guys ever beaten Streets of Rage, uh, John? Yes, I have. It was just recently. In fact, oh, there we go. There's the game I beat recently, uh, Streets of Rage 1. Um, there are eight levels. Eight? Okay, okay. I must have only made it to six. Yeah, level six is the kind of factory warehouse one. I think that's another track that uses the sine wave, that big boom. I'm pretty sure that's plain sign. Um, but yeah, yeah, so the factory is stage six. Stage seven, you're on this kind of elevator. Um, this like cargo elevator and people will drop from the sky or walk through a door and the, the easiest thing about level seven is stand towards the upper uh, right corner of the screen and just keep throwing people over the edge <laughs> and then level eight is inside the the headquarters you have uh, you're walking down these like elegant halls and it's a boss parade i love that for, I, I can't take credit for that phrase i i stole it from someone but i, I love that phrase it, it it says it perfectly and it sounds funny too boss parade <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, you beat up a bunch of kind of menial bad guys. You actually have these carts that, you know, like serving carts that come at you. And if you punch them, they'll have stuff. But if you don't punch them, uh, they'll knock you down and take away energy. But, and then you add yeah, just boss after boss after boss. And the very last boss is those two ladies again from stage five that were so hard. The ladies are the, the ones in the blue? Yeah. And then when you beat that, you walk into the, the big room where Mr. X is, and he asks you, do you want, basically, I mean, I think it's spruced up a bit, but basically it's, do you want to join me or no? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you're actually given a choice at the end. I forgot about that. Yeah, and if you say no, or if you say yes, then it's game over, the unhappy ending, because you became the bad guy, which is actually the name of the track for the unhappy ending, you became the bad guy. Um, and if you say no, then it's on. So the game just literally, that's game over when you say yes? 
if you say yes, then you have an ending sequence. You know, like a like a like a story sequence kind of thing, but it's unhappy ending, and it goes right to that. If you say no, then yeah, it's time to start beating up on the guy, and when you beat him, then you get the happy ending. Actually, you know what? I think I've heard now. I've never actually experienced this, but uh, I, I think if you play two player and one of them chooses yes, you have to fight that person. Is, is that is that true? Uh, that would, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I've never found myself in that situation, so I don't know. Oh, that that would be pretty neat. So you, you know, you make it that that far, then uh, you have to fight your best friend for uh, to the death. Now you do know, you do know that in the arcade and Genesis versions of Double Dragon One, if uh, you get to the end of the game, you're there to rescue the lady. You're fighting the guy with the gun, and if it's a two-player game, and you beat the end boss, then you have to fight each other to the death for the love of this girl. Oh wow. Which is what a really shallow woman. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, here she is hanging from the wall, watching her, you know, watching these two brothers beat each other up, and and you know, one of them dies, and then she comes down from the wall and just hugs and kisses the other guy like it's no big deal. <laughs> okay, I'll marry you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, put the cartridge back in a couple weeks ago, and uh, the beat 'em up genre at that era was definitely one of my favorites, and I I feel it holds up um, over time pretty well. A lot of people kind of slam on it but uh i had a blast playing this game always do and uh you know this is something that came to my mind as i was playing it and I'd, I'd love to write a little piece on this it might already be out there but there's a you know the cl cliches and beat em up games you know, things like there's always a fight on an elevator or on a bus and you find your you find your food in trash cans of all places and, <laughs> you know there's just all there's usually a guy that looks like jason from friday the 13th as your boss so there's just all these i was really noticing it as i played this game but uh, but it did bring back a lot of a lot of good memories and uh, the gameplay is real solid um, like john says streets of rage 2 definitely uh, i actually played that a few months ago and beat that um, before playing streets of rage 1 and it kind of it, it kind of felt a little sluggish a little slower but um it's still an awesome game uh still much better than most of the beat-em-ups that are uh, out there for the the 16-bit era right, right. i'm kind of glad you brought that up uh you know about the hockey mask and and uh, things like that because i'm looking at the cover right now and it's kind of funny you know axel he's wearing a yellow shirt in the game he's got a white shirt uh, Blaze, she's got a, um, a white outfit on the cover, and in the game she's got red. And then you actually see a guy, Blaze is kicking a, a, a guy that's got a hockey mask right in the face on the cover. <laughs> awesome. Which is interesting because that hockey mask guy never shows up in the game. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, speaking of the, the people who are in the game, I think the character design and, the, you know, obviously the level design uh, for, for this game was phenomenal. Like, I love the uh, the atmosphere of this game, the cityscape in the background. I love it when you're on the boat. You can kind of see the city lights in the background. Um, I love the characters themselves, especially the Freddy Krueger guys. You know, it looks like they it looks like they have gloves with the blades on them and everything. Mm. Uh, they're real tall. Uh, it looks like they got like overalls on, under you know, over top of a red shirt. They're, they're, I thought they were pretty neat. Um, I like uh, the boss from Stage Three. Looks like a giant, like beefed up wrestler <laughs> uh, with long hair. Um, I've never made it to Mr. X. I don't think. Uh, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Looks like he's just wearing a business suit. Looks like a mobster. Uh, yeah, he's a handsome guy. Yeah, he kind of is. He's very put together. <laughs> game. I love the neon lights all over the place. I just think it's a, a very um, iconic game. Yeah, I think the I think aesthetically it's wonderful. Um, the only thing that's disappointing about it is it's always straightforward. You know, I mean, there's no like down at an angle or there's no like through a door into another room or anything like that. It's always it's um, not quite on a rail, but it's just kind of like you go sideways. That's right. it. <laughs> and they'll so, tell you if you stand still after a while. They'll tell you, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, genius. <laughs> yeah, keep moving forward, dummy. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Alright, so I guess we gotta ask this big question, guys. Does this game hold up? Landon, what do you think, buddy? I think it does. I think it, it you know, it's kind of one of those, it was the first of its genre on the Genesis. It and I think Golden Axe were probably the two most well-known beat-em-ups on the Genesis. <laughs> but I do, I think it holds up. What, what do you think, John? Um, well, I yes, I I'll, the short answer is yes. Um, I think graphically it does it doesn't really hold up super well, uh, but that's definitely something that was corrected in two and three. I think uh, musically it holds up amazingly. I think in terms of the gameplay it holds up fantastically. So yeah, with 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 an asterisk, uh, yes, it holds up. Right, Nick. Yeah, it definitely holds up. Um, you know, I mean, you definitely see the evolution of the, the beat-em-up genre throughout the 16-bit era, and, and a lot of those early games like Old Max and Streets of Rage kind of set the stage for that. And then there's there's better games out there than Streets of Rage, but for the simple fact that that's where that series started and where it, uh, just the mechanics began, absolutely it holds up. And I can still put it in today and have a blast playing it. I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm button mashing like crazy just to get through the stages, and I know I'm, a, I'm having a great time playing it, so it holds up for me, nice. most definitely. Button mashing would get the cops called right away. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta be real careful not to hit that A button. <laughs> <laughs> Car. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same way you guys do. I, I feel like, um, you know, for the first entry into a, a, a major series for the Genesis, I thought this was very solid. I love the music in this game. I think it's almost as good as the music in the second game, which uh, to me is almost perfect for me. But uh, I. I just think this one holds up um, easily, uh, and, and it's one, you know, I, I went to play it uh, about two weeks ago, and uh, I just picked up right where I left off. I thought it was a fantastic game, and I cannot believe that it's already 22 years old. That just blows my mind, because I remember when it came out. So, so uh, I think we all decided that it's a pretty good game. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. yeah, great game. Um, something really funny about the Japanese version, Bare Knuckle. Mm -hmm. The title screen is the same as the American one, except it says Bare Knuckle instead of Streets of Rage. But if you're paying close attention, none of the characters on the, on the title screen have Bare Knuckles. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> you know what, guys? In all seriousness, I, I know Streets of Rage was just a game, but you know, think about it. It could happen. Think about how chaotic our world is. Think about all the crime, the corruption, the hate that embodies our streets. It kind of makes you angry, you know? These streets... Our streets are crying for help. It's almost like you want to do something about it, you know? Yeah, man, I know what you're. I know what you're saying. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's about time somebody protects the streets around here, where we live. It's time we take back the streets and make a stand. What do you think, Landon? You with me? Sure. Uh, but I need to go grab my white sleeveless T-shirt first. But yeah, I'm in. Cue the sweet techno music. Where's all the crime? Well, that guy holding the metal pop looks pretty shady to me. Yeah, let's get him! Oh, hey guys. My wife sent me out to pick up a pipe for the sink. Beautiful weather we're having today, huh? Makes you feel glad to be alive and- TAKE THIS! Oh, I'm terribly sorry if I offended you somehow. Sometimes my wife says I could be a bit of a grump. No, no hard feelings? Ugh, this is no fun. Hey, you! Whoa, Rob, look out! He's got a knife! You got that right. Take this! There! That long string from your shirt would have been terribly embarrassing for you had I not intervened. Dang it! Well, why does everyone have to be so nice? Yeah, what is this, Canada? Wait! I know a place where we can find the ringleader of crime. His name is Mr. X. Sweet! Where is he? Over at the college. He's a professor now. Or so he says. Come on! Okay, let me just grab a turkey leg from under this trash can real fast. Hang on. 
Hey! Are you Mr. X? Why do you ask questions which you already know the answers? Listen, we know what you're up to, and we intend to stop you. I have never subscribed to the theory that political power flows from the battle of a gun. Dang it! Let's go. I can't get mad at this guy. Uh, I think we should just finish the podcast up. Yeah, I guess so. Nick and John don't have all day. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our Streets of Rage episode. Um, John, appreciate having you on the show, buddy. Um, uh, Nick, thank you so much for being uh, part of the show, dude. Yeah, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And Lane and I uh, <laughs> encourage you guys to join our forums uh, at www.theretrojunkies.com. Also, uh, check out our Facebook page. It's a little bit different than it was before. It's the Retro Junkie Super Show on Facebook, so that would be uh, facebook.com uh, forward slash the Retro Junkie Super Show. And check out our Turtle Flakes website, which is facebook.com slash turtleflakespodcast. And check out our buddy uh, Nick's podcast, which is facebook.com slash podcast. Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast at www.facebook.com forward slash Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast. Yeah, very good podcast. Uh, Ferg does a weekly show, so check that out. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. Uh, check out Excess Gaming Podcast. Uh, that's our friends, Xander and uh, James. They do classic and modern games both. So uh, they're on iTunes. They're on Podomatic.com. Um, can't remember the Facebook page off the top of my head, but I know they're on Facebook as well. So if you search them up, I'm sure you can find them. Also, check out Old School Games. They're located at www.facebook.com forward slash Old School Games R Us. Kind of like Toys R Us, but Old School Games R Us. <laughs> Very good. Also check out the Nerdboys Radio pages, Channel 1, Channel 2 on Facebook. Uh, that's www.facebook.com slash pages slash nerd-noise-radio-channel-1 slash 316298. Uh, whatever. It's, it's just, just Google search Nerd Noise Radio Channel 1 and Channel 2 and also be on the lookout for Channel 3, which may or may not happen. <laughs> well said, well said. <laughs> all right, well, well, thank you for listening to our uh, Streets of Rage episode. We wish you all a good day and good gaming, and uh, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye, Bye. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have been playing. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Ben. Hey, you. We're recording over this with his line, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, so, from from the hate. Hey, you. Whoa, Rob, look out, he's got a knife! You got that right, take this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can't take it seriously. <laughs> uh, uh, no! Num, 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 num. Guy with the knife wins the Emmy for the skit. I think Guy with the Knife should get the uh, the introductory uh, quote of the show. You <laughs> <laughs> should too. Hey you, you got that right. Take this. <laughs> there, that long string from your shirt would have been terribly embarrassing for you had I not intervened.